Reaction Network podcast. It's time! Welcome to the Action Network podcast, UFC betting preview for UFC Vegas 56. I'm Sean Zarillo, joined today by my co-host, Billy Ward, former professional MMA fighter. We're going to take you through the main event, our best underdogs, our favorite props, a little bit of DFS angles, and finally, our best bets for the card. This is our first of 10 consecutive weeks back with the UFC in our lives. A week off last week felt like a month off in between cards. Really don't know how we do it when we have a week off from these fights, Billy. But let's start with the main event. Alexander Volkov versus Jairzina Rosenstrike. Now, I was crapping on this main event a little bit in our Slack chat between me, you, and our editor, Malik Smith. So you might have some stronger opinions here than I do, but I just view this as a very binary fight. Don't love the heavyweight main events in general. But in my opinion, very binary. See a tough time for Rosenstrike winning a decision here. Very low volume, tends to get in the staring contest. Volkov, much higher volume in general. Don't really see Rosenstrike being able to grapple him like Tom Aspinall did. Maybe he can kick his leg a bunch, cause Volkov to get off balance, and then catch him with a big shot and knock him out. But basically, Volkov by decision, Rosenstrike by finish is how I see this one going down. I do like the value on Volkov by decision, projected around plus 140. You can actually bet a plus 200 out there at Caesars. I think that's a very good price. Wouldn't really bet it down past probably plus 170, maybe plus 160. But Volkov by decision is where I'm going for the main event. How do you see this fight playing out? Do you give Rosenstrike much of a chance of winning by decision? And where's your best bet for this fight? Yeah, it's funny. I, I totally agree with you on pretty much everything you've said, but I'm actually excited for it. I think, you know, we see a lot of the sloppy heavyweight fights as you've dubbed it, but these guys both have fairly good cardio. You know, we saw Rosenstrike pick up a fifth round knockout, and not even fifth round. It was like four seconds left in the fight against Overeem. He's going to be throwing bombs the whole time. He's finished all of his USC wins. So it is very binary, like you said, but I think the extra distance or the extra time with this being five rounds actually helps Rosenstrike. So betting him by TKO at plus 210 or inside the distance at plus 190 is my favorite. I'm totally okay with hedging that off with a Volkov decision because you can kind of make it so you win either way on that. But I really like Rosenstrike here. He's, he's still fairly new to the sport. He's actually like six months older than Volkov, but he's only had 15 MMA fights compared to 44 for Volkov. So if anything, it feels like we've found the ceiling in terms of how good Volkov is going to be. You know, he's beat everyone outside of the top five, but can't really hang with that upper echelon. And it's similar for Rosenstrike, but he's only had 15 MMA fights. Could he still be getting better at this point in his career? I don't think that's a ridiculous proposition. So when we've got heavyweights looking at each other for 25 minutes, I don't really see either of them making it much of a grappling match. I'm going to take the guy who's got the finishing upside just because 25 minutes is a long time to stand there and eat punches from someone like Rosenstrike. Yeah, to your points, I projected Rosenstrike's knockout line at plus 200. So I think that's a, a fine bet if you're playing the Rosenstrike line. Would definitely prefer his knockout prop to his money line. And Volkov has seemed a little bit slower in his past couple of fights. He's very deep into his career, ton of professional fights, getting older. Maybe he's slowing down and losing a step. And that'll certainly create openings for Dryerzino. I just don't know if Volkov is going to be as willing to engage either. We see a lot of fighters just sort of stare at Rosenstrike and it ends up being a very low volume fight. And Jairzino can win on power optics. So maybe there is a path to him for a decision if Volkov is just staring at him for 25 minutes. But by and large, I think we agree. Volkov decision, Jairzino by knockout, probably the two ways to play it. And I would prefer the props to the money lines. Let's move to our best underdog bets. 
I'm going to go with Alex Da Silva against Joe Selecki. Da Silva plus 150 out there. Projected him closer to plus 125. View him as the better striker. He's taken a long layoff. We see these guys coming back from Brazil. Off of long layoffs, looking like they went to a pharmacy or two. So maybe he's gotten a little bit in terms of a level up for his physique, his cardio, because his cardio has been an issue in the past. That said, I don't view Selecki as a guy who has great cardio either. Both of these guys might be dying in the third round. I do like the goes to decision though, as well, the, at minus 110. Projected that closer to minus 150. There's a chance you're sweating this in the final two and a half minutes. One of these guys might be completely falling apart. They both might be completely falling apart. But really for Selecki, probably the better grappler, but he does need to win this fight likely with control time for extended stretches or to find a late finish here. Is Silva definitely the better striker in my eyes? I think he can probably counter wrestle and keep this fight standing for longer than the money line would indicate. It's probably a coin flip fight in my opinion. So I'll take the guy who has the clear edge in striking at plus money. If Selecki was plus 150, I'd probably be taking him given where I project this fight. So definitely view it as a coin flip fight, willing to take the plus money side on a guy who I think has a clear edge in one of the aspects of MMA. Billy, where are you going for your best dog bet? Yeah, I like yours. I, I have a bet out there early. It does seem that the line is moving a little bit. So anyone listening to this who wants to get on the De Silva side, I think that's probably going to finish closer to plus 140, plus 135 by the time the fights kick off. So get on that one now. But uh, I'm looking at Carolina Kolek-Wex. Struggling with that one. Sorry, guys. Kovalkiewicz. It's okay. It's a tough Polish names, man. Bolhovich, Kovalkiewicz. I, I struggle with them as well. Well, she also hasn't fought in a little bit, so we're, you know, out of mind. But she is fighting Felice Herrig, and, like, I can't believe this is the featured prelim. They're, I think, over for their last eight collectively between the two of them, which just, I don't know why we're doing this. But uh, Kovalkiewicz is actually the slight underdog here, but this is a rematch between her and Herrig. And Kovalkiewicz won a fairly close split decision. But if you just look at the historical data on rematches, the younger fighter tends to do better. She's a little over a year younger. And the fighter who won the previous fight tends to have an edge. And she's the winner of the previous one. So when you can get her at plus 105 or plus 100, depending on what book you're looking at, both of those things, both of those trends even consider the betting odds too. It's not just straight up. So it's pretty much just a math and trends play for me. I also think she's probably the better striker. And her will need to find a takedown at some point. But her career takedown accuracy is like a ridiculously horrible 25, 30%, something like that. So from a stylistic standpoint, I like it, but I'm really just playing the trends and the historical lines here. No, I bet Kovalkiewicz as well. I actually considered giving her out as my best dog bet. I wanted to go a little bit higher on a dog money line, but those are the two dogs that I bet to Silva and Kovalkiewicz. Fair, uh, Felice really couldn't get her down in the first fight. And Carolina is definitely the better striker. So if this stays on the feet, Carolina should win extended stretches. She also trains with top camp at American top team. I believe she's lost her last five fights, but Herrig has only fought twice since these two last fought. She's had multiple knee surgeries. Kovalkiewicz has fought better competition. She trains with the top camp at American top team. So I really don't see why Kovalkiewicz shouldn't be the favorite here, especially coming off of a win in the first fight where I didn't think it was a split decision. I thought she should have won straight up. So we tend to agree on our best dogs. For Saturday's card, let's move to our fight of the night. And this is probably my favorite story in MMA right now, or maybe in a while, Alonzo Metafield taking on Askar Mozarov. He looked early in the week at Askar Mozarov's record. You can find some tape on his fights, and it really shouldn't change the handicap knowing what we know now. But this guy's a fraud. 
We hear the word fraud used all the time in MMA and sports. This guy's a fraud. Usually it means they're not as good as people think. But in this case, Mozarov is an actual fraud. He's lied about his record. He's changed his name multiple times, changed the results of fights, had people pull him off of fight posters on nights where he fought and lost. It's just a hilarious story. His record, I believe, was 25 and 7. It's since been corrected down to 19 and 11. We'll, we'll see what record UFC uses on their scorebook tomorrow. Maybe they'll put him at zero and zero. Maybe he'll be under 500 by the time the fight starts. It's tough to know. But based on what we've seen from these guys, Mozarov is absolutely no grappling. Maybe a dangerous striker. Want to be KFC fight in eight seconds against the guy who's like five and 15 in MMA now, but still seems to have good power. Could definitely hit hard. And we've seen Menafield knocked out in the past by a washed Ovin St. Pru. Menafield, typically a one and done guy, really good for a round. And then his cardio falls off of a cliff. Well, Mozarov has been to the second round like twice in his past 20 fights. He tends to quit very quickly. And especially if you can take him down, Menafield took down and immediately submitted Fabio Charant. I do like to typically bet Menafield in the first round of his fights. This price is about plus 150. I think in that Charant fight, I got closer to three to one or four to one. So not interested in the first round prop here. What I do like is the under one and a half rounds. You could bet that up to about minus 200, minus 210. Still some minus 190s out there at FanDuel and points bet. So I like the under one and a half rounds. I like Menafield in the under two and a half rounds at points bet, as opposed to his inside the distance prop. You can bet his inside the distance prop at about minus 130. The FanDuel prop or the uh, the points bet prop, I should say, the under two and a half in Menafield to win. That's sitting closer to even money, minus 105, minus 106. So that's probably how I'd bet Menafield if you're playing him straight up. And then his submission prop as well, sitting around plus 650, I would predict this closer to 500. Mozarov, anytime he gets taken down, he's looking for a way out of there. He actually tapped the strikes after eating one clean elbow pretty recently. I just think this guy's a straight up fraud, but I wouldn't buy into the massive line movement that you're seeing towards Metafield. This line was minus 150 yesterday. Now it's minus 250. Don't bet into that price movement at this point. You shouldn't affect your handicap based on what we've seen on tape from these guys, just knowing that this guy is a fraudulent record in the past, but he is a fraud. And we're going to find a way to fade frauds any chance we get because they rarely make their way into the UFC. It has happened before, but it rarely happens nowadays. So Billy, how are you betting this fight? It's kind of a fun fight to handicap, knowing Mozarov's like sorted past, all the ways he's changed his name, changed his record, but how are you angling to bet this fight from a gambling perspective. Yeah, it's fun because it kind of reminds me of the old days, like when I was getting started in the sport and there weren't really good record keeping and guys, you know, I, I could be Bill one fight and Billy the next and William the third and, you know, like all kinds of funny stuff that guys were getting away with. But we just don't see that anymore. Just, you know, like the Internet exists. There's YouTube. You know, it's hard to do. But um, you, you touched on it a little bit with the drastic line movement. And I got to say, I'm going to be on Mozarov here. You know, I thought the initial line that came out on him was about right just looking at his past handful of fights, right? And we're looking back at some of these losses that have been added. He said he was throwing fights for money or he wasn't sure that they were professional fights or he you know, didn't really understand. Even if that wasn't the case, he was like barely 18 when he turned pro. So I really don't want to judge a 27, 28-year-old athlete in the prime of his career versus getting beat up as a 27-year-old or as an 18-year-old. We haven't seen him lose in like, almost three years at this point, he's looked really, really good with his striking and all the tape I saw. I was really impressed with his kicks and he's the taller, longer fighter than Menafield, which I think should be able to keep him away. 
I'm not super impressed with Menafield's wrestling ever. You know, he, he did it to Ed Herman, who's a million years old and probably too small for the division. He tapped out Fabio Chirant, who's never won a UFC fight and has also looked lost on the ground. I don't think we know that Menafield can actually make this a ground fight. So for all of that, that's why I had the initial line is about right. You know, he's got a puncher's chance plus. You would think Mozarov might have the cardio advantage just with Menafield being so like big and thick and burning out so much. We haven't really seen it in a long time, so it's hard to say for sure. But now that you're seeing him at as high as plus 210 on Caesars, I can't I can't not bet that at this point. He could win a decision if Menafield gasses out. He could easily catch him with something. He's got great kicks, so he could chop the leg out. I could even see uh, Mozarov chopping out the front leg pretty heavy early in this fight. And even if Menafield wins the first round, a possible live betting opportunity. So it doesn't feel great betting on a guy with this kind of checkered history and, you know, all the questions around him. But just look at the past three or four fights of his career, and you wouldn't make him a plus 210 underdog against Menafield just based on that. So that's where my head's at on it. Yeah, if you're laying minus 250 on Menafield at this point, and you lose that bet, you deserve to lose that bet because this guy is a basically a one-and-done fighter. And when it gets to the second and third round, you saw his fight with William Knight. They basically just held each other up against the cage for 10 minutes, and judges had about one or two moments of action to judge that decision off of. So nothing is probably going to happen in the second and third rounds if it gets there. I think this one probably ends pretty quickly, which is why I like the under one and a half. But I do tend to agree with you. If you're betting a money line side, I think it's Moserov or pass at this point. You can probably wait and get an even better number. I think now that this story's out there and the more it picks up, Menafield's line is just going to keep steaming. Every time I refresh the odds page, his line seems to go up. So maybe wait, and you might get a plus 250 out there on Moserov by the time the fight starts. Let's do, move to our favorite props. I did tease one of them with Alonzo Menafield by submission, plus 650. If he can get Moserov down, it could be an insta-sub. But that's not where I'm going for my favorite prop, even though I do like it quite a bit. It's Kareem Silva to win inside the distance against Pollyanna Botelho. You rarely see a women's MMA fighter with 100% finish rate coming into the UFC. Even coming off of the regional scene, getting fights against cans, you just rarely see that 100% finish rate for female fighters. It's extremely rare. Very aggressive, very violent, hunt submissions. Her submission line at plus 500, I think, is worth dabbling with. I projected that closer to plus 300. And I certainly like her inside the distance prop. Plus 250s out there, projected that closer to plus 200. So Kareem Silva against Pollyanna Botelho is probably my favorite prop bet and definitely my favorite long shot props on this card. I do have some decision props out there too, which is why I say it's probably my favorite prop bet. But Silva inside the distance and by submission, plus 250 and plus 500 respectively at BetMGM. Billy, how do you feel about that fight? And do you have any other props that you're taking a look at? Yeah, I actually have Silva coming up later on that I'm going to talk about her. And we're we're fairly in agreement on that one. But um, speaking of 100% finish rate, I'm looking at UFC debut fighter uh, Lucas Almeida. He's fighting on the main card against Mike Trezano. And he also has 100% finish rate coming into this one. His only loss was on the Contender Series bout against Daniel Zellhuber, who I think we saw a couple weeks ago, if I remember correctly. Zell Huber, but um, Almeida almost had him finish at multiple points in this one. Kind of ran out of steam. Both guys were thrown super heavy. And I think Zell Huber might be a significantly better fighter than Mike Trezano, who is fighting now. Trezano is one and two, three and two, something like that in the UFC. Lost by submission in one of his last three. But I think Almeida is just going to be hunting finishes real hard. You can get his inside the distance at plus 450. And I'm even looking at his round one line at plus 950. You know, he came out extremely hard 
kind of ran out of steam as the fight went on. Not horribly, but wasn't, you know, keeping the pace he was. And I think he was very unlucky to not put Zell Huber away, and he might have easier time with Almeida in the first round. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest-growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the amount you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. Let's talk some DFS angles. Mike Trezano, one of six fighters priced over $9,000 this week on DraftKings. 14 fight card. Curious how you're going to change your strategy because the past few cards have been, I believe, 11 fight slates, so much smaller. Have a few more fights to work with here. How do you handle a card where you have six fighters priced over $9,000? Aaron Blanchfield, the highest at $9,600. Are you going to be 100% to the Menafield fight, considering Menafield and Moserov are both reasonably priced, and that fight is minus 810 inside the distance? So curious how you're handling that fight and what other DFS angles you got. Yeah, the nice thing with these bigger ones is for the most part, we can just play the fighters and the lineups we want to play. We don't have to worry about trying to get too cute in terms of not getting duplicated or ownership. But there's been just a lot of significant line movement on this one, which I think is really the story of the card. Like the Menafield Ascar fight is obviously the biggest one just with all the news that broke. But um, Menafield's a great value if you just look at the betting lines as a minus 250 favorite, only 8,700. That's an autoplay if you're just looking at value. And, you know, I've said I like Asgar's chances here. And at his salary, if he gets any kind of win, especially inside the distance, then that's almost a guaranteed spot in the optimal. So I'll probably be 100% on that fight. It's just really hard. I've seen as high as minus 900 inside the distance odds on that one. So, like, you're probably not going to want to fade that. I think Ascar is going to be super low owned because, like we said, nobody wants to be on the side of the fraud. So that's another good angle where you can save some ownership, save some salary. You're taking worse value on that side of it, but I think that's okay in a situation like this. But what's crazy is that's not even the biggest line movement on the slate. Damon Jackson went from minus 380 to minus 675 since salaries have came out. And I, I didn't really like him as a minus 380 favorite at 9,500. But at minus 675, like that's a real strong signal where the sharp side is on this one. So I'm going to be pretty heavy on him. And I'm not too in love with any of the other super expensive fighters. I don't think any of these are like must plays. You know, we had a card a few weeks back where everything was minus 200, minus 300 inside the distance. And you really wanted those heavy favorites. This, I think you can pick one or two, pick your favorites and kind of go from there. 
And then on the other side, on like the cheaper side, JJ Aldrich against Aaron Blanchfield is the cheapest fighter on the slate. She opened with the worst odds, but has seen a little bit of movement her way. And that's the perfect, you know, Sean Zerillo cash game special where this one's probably not going to end inside the distance. Aldrich has very good volume, so she can put up some points in a loss. And I don't really see why she should be that such big of a favorite. Like I get Blanchfield is good, but Aldrich has been a above average at the very least UFC fighter. I think she's... Yeah, she won three in a row. I don't see her as being this, like, hopeless underdog. So she could even be a live dog for GPPs and stuff like that that frees up a ton of salary. And at 6,600, if she gets any kind of win, even a bad one, she makes it to the optimal. Let's do our best bets for Saturday's UFC card. I'm going to go with Tony Gravely, minus 135 on the money line. I like that up to minus 150. But I also love his decision prop at plus 275. Projected these lines closer to minus 155 and plus 135, respectively. So I do see a bigger edge technically on his decision prop. Gravely is a good point fighter. And I think here he's the better striker and better wrestler. I don't know if he has the better cardio, but he should be able to counter wrestle and keep this on the feet. And when the striking exchanges, or if he wants to wrestle, he just needs to stay safe on top. Now he has had some fight IQ issues in the past, sticking his head into submissions And he has some concerns with regard to his cardio. He can definitely fade in the third round. But I really don't see any way that Munoz submits him from the bottom. In fact, Munoz prefers to be on top and to do his work from top. He's not a great guard player in particular. Like we've seen guys like Quadio Playlist, who you bet against them, then they immediately snatch up that leg lock. So I don't really see how high you cap a submission from bottom for Munoz here. And considering I view Gravely as the better wrestler, Decorated wrestling background. I believe he was a D1 wrestler. Unless he makes a mistake, how do you cap that higher than 40%? So to me, Gravely on the money line, Gravely's decision prop, I expect him to win the vast majority of minutes in this fight. Not really a big finisher, so I definitely love his decision prop at plus 275, but we're going to play the money line as well. Do you have any thoughts on that fight, Billy? And give me your best bet for Saturday. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I've been on Gravely. I think the line might continue to move a little bit to make the money line not worth playing because it's gone his way just a little bit early in the week. But yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. And uh, my best bet is Kareem Silva, who you referenced earlier with your inside the distance. I'm playing her straight up and I'm not going to go through the whole breakdown because you did a great job on that. But the one thing that scares me with her is I don't want to say she has bad takedown defense, but she's more than willing to accept takedowns. And we've seen with judges recently that They're not really punishing you for just being on your back or being controlled. And I think that's the worst thing that happens to her. I think she's really got a real strong guard. She's fine off her back. But with that said, if she's accepting a lot of takedowns from Botello, it's going to be harder for her to find the finish than if she's really fighting him off and looking to strike and looking to attack aggressively on her side. And I think Botello's got good enough jujitsu that she can probably survive Silva's guard throughout the course of this one. I don't think she'll be winning when it's on the ground, but I think she'll survive. And just with her... I think you can get as good as minus 115 on Silva. I'm willing to just take the decision chances there, especially given how we see women's fights generally go. But yeah, you and I are pretty much in agreement on who the better side of that fight is. I'm just not willing to lose that decision equity there. A lot of agreement this week. We didn't talk about these fights in advance. So I'm actually happy to see that we're on the same page for a lot of these. One more point I will mention in the Silva and Botelio fight. Botelio's best success came as a strawweight at 115. Silva has actually fought as a bantamweight in the past. So she's coming down to 125 here for her debut. So I definitely think she is this value side. I just prefer her finish props 
Tour Moneyline. But that'll do it for us. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week to preview UFC 275, the light heavyweight title matchup between Gover Teixeira and Yuri Rohachka. In addition to the women's flyweight title bout between Valentina Shevchenko and Talia Santos. Best of luck on the fights this weekend. May the fight gods be with you. And until next time, best of luck.